0: Welcome to the Encore Wire Codes and Standards Podcast, with over 40 years of combined technical experience in electrical codes and trade-specific product standards. Join our hosts Paul Abernathy and Kevin Porter as they talk codes and standards and of course Encore Wire. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Encore Wire's Codes and Standards Podcast. Uh, my name is Paul Abernathy, your manager of codes and standards.
1: And with me, as always, my co host is Kevin Porter, supervisor of codes and standards, and happy to be here today.
0: Absolutely. So, today's episode, Kevin, we're going to have a discussion. We get this quite often where people reach out to us and ask us about our non metallic sheath cable, NMB, and its exposure to moisture. And that might be under construction. Uh, maybe, you know, we just had a flood, Ida. And down in, in Houston areas, and well, I guess what in Houston was it, Louisiana? Louisiana, yes. Um, we have those areas, and uh, people are gonna start asking questions, and they're gonna reach out to NEMA, they're gonna reach out to uh, FEMA, and ultimately they're gonna reach out to manufacturers. And so uh, we get this question quite a bit. So on today's episode, we're gonna kind of do the full gamut here. We're gonna, we're gonna look at what the standards say for our product, uh, and we're going to look at what NEMA says regarding exposure to water damage and things like that. And then ultimately we're gonna round it up with uh, looking at the NEC and some of its definitions and use uh, uses permitted, not permitted for NMB. And then of course, any experiences that we might have because we've obviously encountered quite a few uh, being in codes and standards for quite a while as well, so. so.
1: Yep, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Um, customers call, quite often have questions about the installation of NMB when it's, um, uh, the construction's not up and might have some rain, might have some water. So I think this is going to help a lot of our customers with a lot of answers that they've had in the past.
0: Absolutely. So I guess the first thing we kind of think about is the uh, what are the conditions that, that we usually get this question based around? So one of them is construction, right? Right. So people are doing a home or I guess also multifamily dwellings where you have multiple floors and they're using NMB. Uh, typically wood construction, type 3, type 4, type 5 type of construction, where you're going to see a non-metallic product in it. Um, And they call us and they say it's raining. And they say, at what point can your product be exposed to moisture before it has to be removed and replaced? So that's kind of the questions we usually get. And so we're, we're kind of driven as a manufacturer to say, well, I guess the first thing that we should look at is probably our specialty, and that is looking at what the standards are and what we actually test non-metallic sheath cable to before right. we build a case for, for what is okay and what's not okay. Right. right? So kind of walk us through this, Kevin. So I know that in the standard, we're looking at UL719,
1: correct? Yeah, 4NM non-metallic sheath cable. That's the standard that kind of drives the construction, performance, and the design for that. Okay,
0: so one of the things that we look at that has reference to anything to do with water, moisture testing, all this kind of stuff, it seems that we have Section 5.10, which is dielectric voltage withstand test. And so in, in that scenario, kind of kind of walk us through, I believe it's uh, 5.10, kind of give us the kind of the understanding of what this test is about first.
1: Right. This is a, it's called a dielectric withstand test. Um, voltage withstand test. And this is probably one of the most robust tests that we've had on the market. But basically what happens is you have uh, your cable that you're trying to test. Uh, You merge it in water at room temperature for about 24 hours. And then what you do is you wind this cable around a mandrel. And as you wind it around a mandrel, you want to have some extended parts so that can be um, tested. And then what you do is provide a 60 seconds at 60 Hertz um, on a sinusoidal 5,000 volts uh, to be tested and basically what you do is you ramp it up for a certain amount of time and then you measure the performance. so so
0: in this test so again so we have a, we have a range 48 to 60 Hertz but obviously in the US we're 60 Hertz so we're focused hyper focused on that as far as the test. So it's 5,000 volts that this is exposed to. And it's 60 seconds. Now, interesting is in 5.10, it talks about the potential shall be applied from each circuit conductor separately to each other conductor or conductors, the grounding conductor, which is the equipment grounding conductor, and to the earth grounded water and mandrel. So all of this is tested. and It's submerged for 24 hours. And then it's subjected to this 60 seconds at 5,000 volts. Of course, we know that it references another section, which is 7.9, which I guess gets, you know, gets a little more detailed. It gets kind of digs deeper into the process. But um, so, kind of walk us through this again. So about the specimen, I guess at 7.9.3, tell us a little bit more about what gets done with this specimen.
1: Well, basically, what you're Describing as a specimen is the NM cable. It's a finished piece of cable, a certain length. Um, they're gonna make seven or more run, rounds around this mandrel that has a certain diameter. And within the mandrel, what you wanna make sure is that it is open at each end so that the insulated circuit conductors will extend four or more inches so that you can do the testing from there.
0: Right, so it's gonna extend beyond the cable. And yep. of course, this is all gonna be above the waterline, okay, because we want the cables gonna actually be down in the water on the mandrel. So it's actually stressed, right? It's it's being bent around a mandrel uh, and seven or more turns around this mandrel. Um, so, But the insulation is not to be damaged. So that's, that's important that right. in this process, wrapping in a mandrel and doing everything, you can't damage the insulation in this test, correct?
1: That's correct, that's
0: correct. Okay, all right, so with that case, we, we kind of look at the requirement. And as you can see down, uh, Kevin, you wanna, again, kind of, let's do a little overview again of the specimen and what it goes through it. I guess it's tap
1: water at room temperature. It's gotta yeah. acclimate to that for 24 hours. Yeah, There's, it, and it's immersed in tap water. That's one thing that's, you know, when we talk about a robust test, um, typically that nonmetallic metallic is not immersed in water, but we're gonna immerse it in water during this test. Um, Again, we talked about the ends of the coils are extended at least probably eight inches above the surface of the water because we do not want the ends to be um, subjected to water. Um, The ends shall not be wet. And then after the coil has been immersed for about 24 hours, uh, we will still immerse it in some potential, which is voltage, to be increased from zero to essentially um, a range of 5 to ten, five to 60 volts per second. So if you think about that, if you have um, you want to go up to 5,000 volts and you're doing this from 10 to 60 volts per second, you're going to have this on for at least a minute so and this it's ranging radial. up.
0: So this is kind of a radial test here yep. where we start out at, at, at about 10 to 60 volts per second. We crank it up until we get to 5,000. Once we're at 5,000, we have to hold it for 60 seconds at 5,000 volts, folks. Remember, NMB is rated for 600 volts. So we're, we're doing this as part of the testing process, uh, basically testing to fail. And we, we crank it up so it can't fail down the crank period, which is going from 10 to 60 volts per second as you crank it up, real test. Then it gets to 5,000, it has to hold. And then you have to start working it down and you, you kind of reverse that, you, you do the same thing, is you reverse it down, same process, 10 to 60 volts per second, uh, and you revert it down. And at no point in this process, process can it fail, right? It, right. It, it's, it's got it, to maintain.
1: It's got to maintain, no failures are allowed here. Okay.
0: So, so that's the stuff that we do as a manufacturer, so that we know that the quality product that's going out the door for you, the end electrician, is tested to exposure. Now, we're talking about 24 hours of submersion. We're putting that sheathing material in tap water and we're, we're testing it over this period of time. We're cranking the voltage up to 5,000 and monitoring all this. So when you come to us with a question about exposure, that shifts us now to talk a little bit about NEMA's evaluated electrical water damage document that's out there. And I worked for NEMA and was very intimate with this document shared it all around the country. When we had Katrina, we had other incidents where, you know, you had flooding. Uh, But this is not just flooding. We're talking about also where you could be in a building and it's subject to sprinkler systems. Uh, You never know what's in that treated water. Uh, You you just don't know what's in it. But this is what this document's kind of geared to. So let's kind of look at this document a little bit. For those that aren't familiar with the NEMA document, you can go over to NEMA, National Electrical Manufacturers Association, uh, That document. Just go with search tool, just search for evaluating water damage, and you'll find the document. And so let's talk a little bit about what it says. So it's basically two categories here. There's wiring cable that is listed for dry location, such as NMB, and then it's wiring cable that is suitable for wet location. That'd be like a UFB. Right. Uh, that type of thing. Or wire, we're talking about any of them with the W designation, like XHHW-2 or THWN, that type of thing. So let's kind of look at it. So Kevin, what does it have? It, there's two columns here. We have at the top, there's either
1: what? You replace it or what? Yeah, either it's a replacement or you may recondition it. Okay. So that, what that's saying is that there's an opportunity to do some things that doesn't require you to replace it if the conditions are correct. Okay, so
0: interesting enough, when you look at this, and folks, when you get this document, uh, which is not just for wiring cable, by the way, this covers a lot of things. So it's, it's, it's you know, devices, AFCIs, GFCIs, search protective devices, other devices, enclosures, all those type of things are covered in this document. So obviously, we're focusing on wiring cable. Um, when the wiring cable is listed for dry location, like an NMB. We put it in the walls, right? We put it in right. the ceilings. We enclose it. Uh, those are dry locations. It says replace the requ- the equipment. So this is if the NMB is exposed to, is it just exposed to moisture or is it it's exposed to conditions? Now, granted, this document tells us also that it's up to the manufacturer. Right. We give guidance. Yep. So what kind of guidance should we give? Let's talk the NMB because that's the topic. What if... It is, let's say, Ida, right? And you've got a basement, and you're in Louisiana, and your basement's flooded. Right. And you have NMB in your basement, and it's submerged. What do you think? Total replacement.
1: Right. If it's submerged, yes, total replacement. Total replacement. Right.
0: Because even though we test it for 24 hours and we do all this stuff as a manufacturer, we don't know what's in that water. Right. We don't know because, again, ground, it's flooding, so you've got chemicals, you have gas uh, tanks that are in the ground and oil's leaking everywhere. We have no idea. So that needs to be replaced. Right. But Kevin, what about in a basement where the water only got up four feet or five feet and you have above that level going up the walls or even in the ceilings, which weren't subject to flooding or those kind of conditions, and that B is perfectly fine, does that have to be replaced?
1: Well, nope, that doesn't have to be replaced. And I think that's where the manufacturer comes in and really evaluates the situation where, what was wet and what did not get wet. So I think this is a prime example of why we're here today.
0: absolutely. So, and we'll talk about it when we get to the code part, there'll be some devices and things that you can do uh, and again, you know, that you're the, you have to work with the AHJ, that's the authority having jurisdiction. They're, they'll be the one to give you some guidance on this. Um, uh, but we're here to help and give guidance as well, uh, for the application. But it's also important to know that what if that same condition was, um, dealing with like a UFB? Well, underground feeder and brand circuit cable is designed for a wet location. Right. So in that scenario, if you look at this NEMA, uh, NEMA document, you'll notice that that is one that's listed for... A possible recondition right so but it has a caveat to it Kevin what are those caveats in the parentheses when it so the wire or the cable might be rated for the wet location right. right but it does have some caveats to it what is it, it
1: the caveat is this provided the ends of the wire or cable have not been exposed to water and the wire wire is not damaged right. so that needs to be really clarified to our customers or our electricians
0: yeah cuz you know what even if it's in, if, if it's UFB and you're in a flood, you got all kinds of things floating in a flood. You don't know what's floating around now. It could also have been hit by something, damaged by something, debris. It, so it's gonna have to be something, you make a visual observation. Some local jurisdictions might require you to do some testing on it. Uh, they could, it's within their scope to be able to do that. Um, but again, the other aspect of it is the ends of the cable. Right. If the ends of the cable are submerged, or are subject to the condition, then you would have to replace that as well. But if it's going UFB, for example, let's say down the wall, and then it's going along the, 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 the floor line or something below the water level, that would be okay, because UFB is typically put in the ground anyway, so it's a subject to wet location anyway. So uh, that would typically be okay. It's all about those ends exposure, so it sure. doesn't wick up in the end, Yep, and uh, that type of thing. So, okay, so... We do have some allowances so check out that nema guide it's a great guide again it's available at nema go to their website and you can search for the evaluating water damage or again reach out to the nema reps the nema reps would love to get you that document all right so next thing we want to talk about as we analyze this to kind of build our foundation for all these things that we've been saying right is to look at the national electrical code at the end of the day the national electrical code is not an installation manual but it's a minimum safety standard. Some people hate that term, but it is. It's the minimally it's safest you can build a structure and be compliant. So when you're looking at the the National Electrical Code, for example, we want to look at non-metallic sheath cable because that's the subject. Right. So we have what's called uses permitted, and we have what's called uses not permitted. What you can do with NMB and what you cannot do with NMB. So under NMB, we have 334.10A1. Now, Kevin, read that for me. Would it, read that, and uh, we'll we'll elaborate on that. So. Yeah.
1: Well, the NEC is very, very clear. Um, 334.10A talks about t- uh, type NM for both exposed and concealed work in normally dry locations, except as prohibited in 334.103. Yeah, and, and 334.10.3
0: is dealing with other structures, and there's applications in type 3, type 4, type 5 right. construction, uh, whereas since this is construction, it's not a one-in-two family dwelling, then you have some applications where a and B can be used, but it would have to be behind a 15-minute finish rating. That would be tip, typical gypsum board, so other types of apps. So there are some limitations, Right. but generally other than that, and that has to do with exposed and concealed work. So concealed in other than one and two family, or other than multifamily, three comes into play and that's saying, you know, like, people ask me all the time, Kevin, can you use uh, NMB in com- commercial buildings? And the answer is yes, under the limitations of the construction type. Right. Three, four, and five are typically wood construction. So um, somebody called me the other day and said, hey, I'm, we're doing a, an office building down here and it's a one-story office building but it's all made of wood, all the framing's wood. And I'm like, they wanna know, can I use NMB? And my answer is absolutely. If it's wood, you can use it. If it's type three, four, five construction, you can use it. So then he says, well, what if I chose to build it out of metal studs, even though I could have per the building codes, build it out of wood, but I'm worried about termites, Paul. So I'm gonna build them out of metal studs. The answer is yes, you could still use NMB in that application. Because it could have been type three, four, or five. You just chose to choose a more restricted type of building material, which is metal studs. Okay. Right. Does that have, So that's what that one's talking about. Right. So N and B can be exposed and it can be concealed, but you hit a great point, Kevin, when you said and you and you and you really emphasized it when you said it, normally dry right. locations. So we're gonna tie this in. So we're gonna go look at a definition of what dry location actually is in the NEC, because I think it's a, an interesting uh, topic. And the reason we're gonna go there, Kevin, is because we didn't look at what's called the use is not permitted. And that doesn't take a lot of time for us, because it says pretty bluntly that type NM cable shall not be used in a wet or damp location. That's correct. So it's dry product, so we established right. that. Right. So since we're relating this to, commercial, uh, to construction, and you know we're, we're relating it, let's say, to NMB getting wet, just the sheathing getting wet, right? So we right. can build on that. Let's go look at what dry location is and read that to us and we'll elaborate on that because we need to ex- use that to explain why it's okay in certain types of environments to get the sheathing wet.
1: Right, yeah, the NEC is very clear and especially with this definition, it says dry location, a location not normally subject to dampness or wetness. A location classified as dry may be temporarily subject to dampness or wetness, as in the case of a building under construction. So I think that definition is very clear. gives us a pretty good example, and should be able to help our listeners understand what the limitations are or what the definitions of a dry location is.
0: Yeah, and 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 also I always tell people, you know, students of the code that listen, the electricians you are out there who listen to these things, and and understand when anytime the code says uh, as in the case or such as those are just examples that's not every possible condition. Correct. But this one tends to be the one that Kevin that we get the most is under construction. Under construction. People that's will say, correct. "Well, look, I've got these walls and I'm going to put in and be in it. But it's not closed in yet." Well, what does closed in means to somebody that's not familiar with construction codes? Uh, is it the stick framing of a building without a roof on it yet? They don't have the sheathing on it or the shingles on it so that rain and moisture can just get right into the building? Or do they have the roof on it and the walls are open? Maybe it have Celotex up or some kind of vapor barrier up. Those are the conditions that has to be determined by the AHJ. Right. But what I can tell you this, one of the things that we get a lot here is I got a three-story building, apartment complex. It's wood construction. And the electricians want to start on the first floor, and they're just finishing up the second floor, or they're on the third floor, but there's no roof on it yet, and they want to start putting in the cable. And they ask us, and our response to usually is, "Look, if there's a second, if it's, you're working on the first floor and the second floor has the flooring down, then it's perfectly okay. Start pulling your cable. If a little bit of rain, if a little bit of moisture gets on the cable sheathing, it's no harm, no foul. It's not submerged." Right. And, and also, here's the golden rule I tell people. If the location is ultimately going to be the dry location and a little moisture gets on the sheathing, what's the harm? Because ultimately, it's going to be a dry location. There's also going to be insulation in there. There's the wood you got to worry about getting wet. Nobody seems to be concerned about that, right? Right. But the trigger also is the end of the cable.
1: End of the cable.
0: So if you're putting it in there and it gets a little moisture on it, a little rain on it, things like that during building under, under construction but it's not gonna get in the boxes and get to the ends of the cable and typically it wouldn't get into the boxes. And if you're concerned about that, then you should seal up your box openings if you think a big storm is coming. The key here, here is a little moisture against the sheathing is not gonna affect its reliability. It's the moisture that gets up into the end of it, that type of thing. So that's a key trigger when somebody asks us if you can use NMB and uh, if it's in a building that's not totally closed in, that type of scenario. Yep.
1: Exactly, so that's
0: that's the big 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 takeaway uh, for it. Um, Kevin, do you have any any anything you have heard of calls or anything experience? Because I can elaborate on some experiences that from being a you know an electrical inspector and a head of jurisdictions and working with NEMA, where I, I have in, experienced this quite a bit, right. where installers have this this issue and they don't want to stop. They want to be the first to get in there. Framing's up roofs on, but they ain't nothing on the sides of the building. The windows aren't in and it's open to elements, but they want to get started on construction. And and a lot of times I tell them, as long as the building is either undercover uh, then, or it's a first floor of a multi-floor building that has the flooring on, then go for it. Start running it, you're not going to have a problem. Just be careful of those boxes.
1: Unfortunately, when we get the call, it, the wire has already been installed and exposed, so they don't have the luxury to asking us, is it okay? Yeah,
0: it's already in. It's already in. <laughs> yeah, they just so, want the blessing, right? right They're like, yeah. please so, tell me it's okay. So that's
1: the the cause that we typically get. But um, we, over the years, we've dealt with flooding. We've dealt with um, water pipes. We've dealt with all kind of... Um, Water issues on NM, and the key again. There's several questions we always ask. One is to evaluate the sheathing. Two is to evaluate the ends to make sure that they haven't been exposed to um, rain, water, or or what have you. So that's that's typically what I've seen. But as an inspector, I know you've um, seen a lot more.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that you hit it right on the head. The, the issue is, is we'll always go back to and say, what about the ends of the cable? You know, as, as a contractor, I would always cringe, Kevin, when I'd go to supply houses and I'd see people with their NMB thrown in the back of their truck, just the reels thrown in the back of the truck. And on occasion, I've seen the reels sitting in a puddle of water on the back of the truck, and they think they can use it now. So there's a big difference between having exposure on the job during the installation than having a reel of cable sitting in the back of a truck or sitting in a location where it can be submerged. Right. That's a big difference because we don't know how much water has been wicked up into the, uh, the ends of it. And that's a problem. How much do you cut off to expose the dry, uh, the, the dry paper that's inside? Because that's what you're trying to go for. Keep, you know, keep cutting it back until you get the dry. But as an inspector, I, I do see this from time to time and we have to look at every condition because I remember back when there was a big issue of uh, sprinkler systems going off or flooding the floor above. And it's flooding the floor and getting through the ceiling, and of course the the unit below all the sheetrock or you know gypsum board will fall down because mm-hmm. of the moisture, right? And just because somebody left their bathtub on upstairs or something happened right. or sprinklers went off, um, and they always get that call. They said, "Is the N and B okay?" And our response is, is typically is the N and B is probably fine, but you do need to look at the ends because you could have some lighting outlets in the ceilings right. that water could be accumulating in there and. Uh, because if they've got a luminaire on the bottom of it, it kind of holds the water, so did you fill up those boxes? There's things that you have to think about, so it's not just a catch-all. You have to evaluate it and look right. at it, but if we're just talking about moisture cascading over sheathing, then we don't have a, we don't have a problem with that. It's all about the ends. If you right. keep it out of the ends, you're okay. Now, with that said, there's going to be a lot of people talking about flooding in Ida and all this type of thing, and they're going to know... Uh, if my basement gets flooded, but the first floor and second floor did not get flooded, but some of those circuits go down into the basement where it might have been flooded, yep. they're going to know, do I have to replace it all? Now, that's a decision they got to make. Right. But as we said, you would, you would replace the flooded portion. Correct. You wouldn't have to replace the part that's not flooded. And they do make devices, Kevin, that will allow you to actually make a splice from where you removed it, installed the new, to the existing that was still okay. And you keep cutting it back until you find dry paper is basically right. what you do. Okay. And this device is, uh, it's called a device with integral enclosures. It's in the NEC under 334.40C, which gives you the permission. So that's under NMB. So that gives you permission to use it. And it ends up referencing you to 300.15E which tells you about this device and it makes it clear that it's for use with non-metallic sheath cable. Okay. Now, these are very common for use in uh, manufactured homes, putting the different modules together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very common. Some people don't like it because they're like, wait a minute, you're making a splice and you're putting it in the wall. Right. All splices typically have to be accessible through a junction box. Well, these that's why these are called integral enclosures. They're designed a specific way for you to be able to make that correction or that repair okay. and feel reliable once you close it up into a wall. Again, you have to talk with your HJ you have to feel comfortable with it, but these pro- products are out there and they are referenced in the NEC. So those out there, the electricians who wanna know, a lot of works gonna be doing down in Louisiana and right. all that. It's 334.40C and 300.15E that you're gonna need to look at in the NEC because that gives you specific permission for these type of devices. Yeah. So okay. it, it might give you some solutions, of course, if you want to replace it all, we encourage you to replace it all if you want and use Encore cool Wire products.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I have a problem with that, do you, Kevin? No, don't have a problem <laughs> with that. But I think the electricians will appreciate you giving them an option just in sure. case the customer doesn't want to replace it all and um, deal with the integral exposure enclosures.
0: Right. Cool. So, again, hopefully you learned something in today's episode. Um, again, that's what me and Kevin are here for, and. Uh, we hope to bring many, many more podcasts on all different types of topics that can uh, help teach you different things about the codes, the standards on Wire, the products that we offer, as well as uh, any technical applications that you might in- encounter. Anything else you want to share towards the end, Kevin?
1: Well, I think this was fun. I think we've um, went over a lot. I think this is a very important topic, especially during these hurricane seasons. And I think these questions that we've had in the past about NMB, NMB and its exposure, wet or damp location. I think we've answered those questions, provided some good reference using our UL standards and the NEC and NEMA. So I think this was great. I enjoyed it, and I think our customers will enjoy it as well.
0: That's awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time on the next Encore Wire Codes and Standards Podcast. Until then, take care. You've been listening to the Encore Wire Codes and Standards Podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to visit EncoreWire.com for more information on Encore Wire products. And be sure to check out the Where to Buy feature on the website to find an Encore Wire representative near you today.